So, the big question is this. How can kingdom-minded, for-purpose entrepreneurs like us, those who are committed to building big things with their life through their business, do it in a way that they don't lose their body, they don't lose their balance, those closest relationships that mean the most to them, and their being, their connection and daily walk with Christ? How can we build, expand, and create in such a way that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant? That is the question, and this podcast is centered around those who are on this journey at a high level and their tips, systems, routines, and mindsets that have enabled them to pull this off. My name is Forrest Walden, and welcome to Tribecast. Welcome to another episode of Tribecast. So excited today to be able to have Daniel Tardy on the show. Daniel is the executive vice president and board member of Ramsey Solutions, but I came to know him through Entree Leadership. You guys have heard me talk extensively about Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover, my own journey to debt freedom, uh, even going through Entree Leadership Resources and their master class. So just a big fan of everything they do over there and during that process got to know Daniel and uh, he's just a great uh, guest to come on and talk about what we talk about on this show, which is having it all across body, being balanced and business. So Daniel, welcome to the show. Forrest, thanks for having me, man. It's an honor to be here, and it's been so fun. I, I feel like in a lot of ways, you and I have uh, grown up together. Uh, we've Our paths have crossed through Entree Leadership and uh, different experiences that you and I have been out in different uh, places in the market together, and uh, I've been a big fan of Iron Tribe and, and have personally been impacted uh, on the fitness front by Iron Tribe, and so it's just it's a joy to kind of have these uh, various ways that we've connected, and uh, I'm thrilled to be here and uh, and share with your audience today. Well, we're thrilled to have you because we all know that uh, the whole Dave Ramsey brand, and I know we'll get into what that means, is just exploding and you're a key player in that. And so we know that you're busy, but carving out some time, I think is going to be impactful uh, for our listeners who really do want to know how to win this entrepreneurial life. I mean, that's really what you guys do um, at uh, the Dave Ramsey company. So excited to dive into that. And then last season, we had Sarah Sloyan, Sloyan on and she was the first female guest. So that was great. And I actually right. got to use one of your podcasts. Uh, there at your facility. So the only way this show could have been better is if I could have joined you in your new garage gym, which we have talked up. But we're still going to uh, have to work that out at some point. Uh, yeah, I really want to join you for that. Okay, so let's let's talk about just who you are, your background, uh, how you came to be an EVP with Dave, and just your journey and, and what that looks like today. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, I feel really blessed, and I don't feel qualified to be doing what I'm doing. Let's start with that. I am a college dropout, two generations. <laughs> off the cotton farm from West Texas and uh, really struggled through school, really struggled to even know if I was going to be successful uh, at all in life. Um, had a tough journey uh, as a kid and some trauma uh, that I, w- I was uh, dealing with early on in life that really kind of put me on my heels. And uh, I was always kind of that kid in class that was goofing off and trying to get attention and trying to compensate for a lot of insecurities. And um, I did have a drive, though. And I one thing that I feel like is a gift I've always had is coachability and teachability and the desire to learn and grow. And anytime I've been stuck, um, I've at least had enough, uh, whether it's pain or wisdom, I'm not sure which, uh, to, to reach out and ask for help and get answers. And uh, less often for me in the classroom and, and more often from, you know, great business people like the ones that listen to this podcast and people like you who are in the trenches doing it. And so about 17 years ago, when I showed up on the scene at the Ramsey Company, uh, I came in an entry-level organiza- entry, entry role in, in a great organization. And um, Dave was kind of one of those guys that was in the trenches doing it and not the uh, the heady professor in the classroom that I had a hard time relating to in business school. And uh, I thought, okay, this guy, he's, he's real street. He gets me. And he was teaching entree leadership internally at the time. And entree leadership is a blend of an entrepreneur spirit with leadership qualities that cause a business to grow and scale and prosper. And so initially that, that was just a cute word that he kind of made up to say, this is who I expect to have on my team entree leaders. And I'm, I'm this young, green, uh, excited to be here guy. And I'm going down to the class that Dave's teaching internally every night, just falling in love with it, relating to Dave, loving our mission. And I feel like I was just really growing in tremendous ways. And it was so, well, it, it lit my fuse so much 
that I said to Dave, if this is ever something that you would want to do outside of just, you know, uh, being an internal program, like if this was ever a product or a book or a podcast, I would love to be a part of that. So I raised my hand and I said, please, I mean, this thing is, it's changing my life. Let me be in on whatever this thing becomes. And so long story short, um, started selling tickets to our first little conference and kind of grew up with the Ramsey company and the Entree Leadership brand at the time for us. We had 40 to 50 employees in the whole company. And today we have about almost a thousand. And so I feel like my timing was really good. I, I got in early. Sometimes I feel like the barnacle that got on the bottom of the boat when it was still at the, <laughs> the dock and now it's flying across uh, the lake at a hundred miles an hour and I'm still hanging on for dear life. But uh, no, I, I'm privileged to work with some of the smartest people on the planet and do really meaningful work. And specifically with Entree Leadership, um, that's one of the things we do at Entree or at, at the Ramsey company. Obviously we do a, a lot of things on the personal finance front as well, but Entree Leadership exists to help business owners win. Uh, we really believe in small business and we believe that small business owners are the backbone of the American economy. People that have a dream, they take a risk, they go out there, they start hiring people and, you know, they get stuck and it's frustrating. And then they have a breakthrough and they realize they got to scale and build their leadership skills. And those are our kind of people. Uh, we just believe that they're salt of the earth people. They're, they're people that have ideas. They're people that are inspiring to be around. And they're also people that I believe are unsung heroes. Uh, they're, they're people that oftentimes are not making the headlines, but they're providing jobs. They're, they're treating their teams well. They're treating their teams like most small businesses are, have a family type vibe. It's not a big corporate policy driven system that, that employees just have to punch a clock and they're treated like units of production. Most small businesses really care about their people and, and that's why we love them and, and we're here to help them out. Well, and those are definitely the listeners of my show. And collectively, uh, we're all getting hammered right now. So we need encouragement. No we need resources like Entree Leadership. We need podcasts to encourage us. So your story is great. I want to touch on a couple things. Number one, I would guess most people don't really know that Entree Leadership just started as an internal program for Dave to train his own team. And I think it speaks to a couple things. Number one, you guys are so intentional about your culture. And you create first great content for your people, but then that grew a whole new revenue stream and a mm. whole new uh, division of your business that now uh, has more staff, I would guess, than originally had when he started the program. Is that correct? Yeah, no doubt. And I think it's the foundation of it's really what I love about Entree Leadership is that it was our playbook before it was ever a product. Hmm. And you talk about street cred. You know, there's a lot of noise out there today for us. There's a lot of talking heads. There's plenty of consultants who they've got ideas and they've got frameworks and they've got programs, but they've never built anything. And they're not all bad. Uh, some of them are my friends, so I'm not totally knocking it. But for me, I would rather sit and learn from Forrest Walden, who's actually built a company, and go, okay, what's it really like? What have you mm -hmm. learned? Hard knocks. The times you had to fire somebody that you did not want to fire and it was emotional and you actually had to pull the trigger and make that happen. I, I want to learn from people who have done it and been in the trenches and have failed and succeeded. And uh, that's what Dave Ramsey was. You know, he started this thing on a car table in his living room. And today it's a, it's a major national brand. And I, I think the credibility in that um, is very attractive to people because uh, in our society today, we're tired of the sound bites. We're tired of the BS. We're tired of the, the hype and the theories. We want to know real street. What's it like? People that have gotten their, their knuckles bloodied a little bit, knocking doors and getting rejected and getting turned down and, and continue to get back up and, and come back in the face of adversity. Uh, I think those stories are, are the things that we really want to uh, latch on to. That's human nature that we want the credibility there. But I, I think we also have a desire to um, to walk in the the path that someone has forged ahead of us who actually is still on that trail and still building and still has a desire to, you know, advance their thing. And, and we're kind of all in it together in that way. You know, you mentioned uh, one of the things that drew you in the beginning was Dave as a practitioner. And, you know, even to this day, anytime I've ever been in your office, uh, I'm amazed at his schedule and still running the show. And I mean, he's like Energizer Bunny running around there. So no that's doubt. one thing I've always respected about you guys as well. And, you know, even for us, it's one reason we still own and operate corporate stores is we really want to know, you know, what's going on at the gym level and not just passing down, you know, ivory tower marketing yeah, campaigns yeah. and I like HR that. stuff. So, um, I like that. And then, um, so you talked about two things I want to touch on briefly, uh, coachability and teachability. So how does that 
play into you continuing to grow within the organization? I mean, you were around some amazing thinkers, speakers, like the best of the best come to your conferences on your podcast. Um, how does that still evolve who you are as a leader? Yeah, I love that. Well, you know, I don't always get it right. I mean, I, I definitely am human and I have an ego and there's times I think I have it figured out and then something smacks me upside the head and I'm like, oh yeah, idiot, you still need to be learning. And uh, so I, I don't want to act like I'm just like this self-enlightened, always coachable person because I'm not. Sometimes it takes pain to get me to remember that I still have things to learn. But I, I think through the years, um, the idea that that somebody can come from nothing and then become great in any field uh, has always been really attractive to me. And that has been a big piece of me developing one of my personal core values. I have five core values, and one of them is transformation, to be transforming daily. And there's an old verse that says um, that we need to renew our minds daily with truth instead of being conformed to the pattern of the world. And yeah. if we do that, the, it results in transformation. You can go from whatever state you are, stuck, broken, confused, hopeless, down and out, to actually having a plan, having your life together, being on top of it, and, and thriving and being a blessing to the people that you interact with. You can, you can go from you know, um, broken to healed. I mean, it's just this amazing thing in life. And we see that in our physical bodies. We see that in our relationships. Those who choose to embrace the journey of transformation, we don't have to stay where we are. And I think that's just an incredible thing. And so the ticket for that is that we renew our minds daily with truth. We don't conform to the pattern of the world. We don't uh, just fall into the rut of whatever the pattern the world is for us, um, whether that's everything in our social media feeds and everybody telling us who we have to be and what's normal out there and how we just go with the flow. Um, the idea of not conforming to that is putting new truth into our mind. And so I, I think the ways that I have um, made sure that there's enough structure there to keep putting new truth in my mind consistently and always transforming, um, putting people around me that are going to speak hard things and, and do it in a spirit of love. Um, working with, I, I work with a coach every month. I've got board members here that push on me and the expectation is if they see something in my blind spot, um, they're going to come talk to me about it. And I respond in kind. I'm not defensive. I receive that. I say, tell me more, even if it's uncomfortable. And it, it's that constant um, willingness to expose ourselves to the uncomfortable things that are true about us that lead to us being able to do something that creates a more empowering story and become a better version of ourselves. And so it's just a habit. It's, it's something I've had to really work to develop a habit and make sure that there's enough structures around me, people, structures, new inputs, uh, podcasts I'm listening to, books I'm reading, just that, I, you know, I need to make sure there's always an inflow of, of new truth coming at me every day because um, the piece that's easy to uh, make sure is there is, is lies coming at us every day. We don't have to do anything. They're just coming at us all time. So we got to combat those lies uh, with truth. It has to be proactive. Well, I love the way you frame that because there is ultimate truth. And in this day and age, even that is a radical statement that can be very divisive. But by quoting scripture, you say the foundation of this core value of transformation starts in, in the word. And that's where ultimate truth comes from. Mm. And with the word transformation, it's a perfect segue into body. Let's talk about the other three domains, uh, because you are not just Daniel EVP. You're Daniel with a physical body and a marriage and kids and your walk with Christ. And so I want to talk about those three domains and how those equip you to show up every day at work, empower, ready to create, ready to build with your team. So let's start with body. What does that look like for you, your routines, what you've done in the past and what you're currently doing? <laughs> well, first, you got to know um, my experience growing up, I was not athletic. I was not very coordinated. And uh, I did didn't know that when my grandma took me to the mall and bought me uh, jeans that said Husky, um, <laughs> that, that wasn't what every other kid out there was purchasing. And uh, I was I was frumpy. I, I was I was a little bit pudgy. And uh, it got even worse uh, towards the latter part of high school and early college and marriage. Um, I put on a lot of weight and um, I, I just ballooned up to, you know, a pretty ridiculous, embarrassing uh sloppy state. And, you know, in my early twenties, um, I have, you know, I have to look at myself in the mirror and go, this is, this is not who I want to be. And, um, we had our first child and I was having a hard time having the energy to be the kind of dad that I felt like I wanted to be. And I started forecasting out, okay, if it's already this bad and I'm this young, um, I'm not on a good trend here. 
and I actually had a lot of shame about my body and about my habits. And I didn't really know why I wasn't able to conquer this demon, if you will. And my initial attempts to focus on my body in my 20s, I I didn't know this at the time, but in hindsight, there was a lot of effort that I put into running away from shame instead of running towards health. Hmm. Um, there, there was a lot of pain and embarrassment about being the fat kid. And um, so I went whole hog into triathlon, marathon, doing anything I could, extreme diets to figure out how I could create this outside, uh, this this uh, view of my body from the outside in instead of really changing, I guess, from the inside out and thinking about what it means to be healthy and not just to look okay enough that I wasn't embarrassed by what other people thought about how I looked. And so I really had to kind of go through this process over uh, really even over a decade. Um, and recently, in the, in the last few years, uh, have settled into this really great spot where um, through some coaching, through some counseling and and through some some healthy habits uh, that are not about achieving major milestones and not about, and I'm competitive, I mean, and I'm not knocking being competitive. I think it's great. Um, but all the stuff that I did where there was a finish line, a marathon, a triathlon, uh, these big challenge events, I, I think those things are good. And I, and I still enjoy some of that. But for me, the finish line was about being able to uh, to validate something in my own mind and spirit that felt like I wasn't enough and I, I needed yeah. to get the trophy that said I could accomplish something. And today I, I spend so much more of my fitness uh, habits and, and engineering that around my energy, about coming from a place of already being enough and maximizing how much energy I have to pour into others and how I feel, like really figuring out how can I feel good all day? How do I make sure that the way I feel when I wake wake up in the morning and get out of bed and I'm on top of the world, how can I sustain that all the way to the point where I'm tucking my daughters in bed at night and I don't have to phone that in because I'm just too tired? You know, how can I I really regulate my energy and and eat in a way uh, that's sustainable and something that I could see myself doing for the next, you know, four, five, six decades, however however long I've got to, to walk around on this planet. So there's been a big shift for me over time and um, it hasn't happened overnight. And Iron Tribe was a great part of it. I I loved my experience with Iron Tribe. And it was the first time I realized, wow, there's this community of people who were in all different levels of health and fitness and backgrounds of being athletic or not being athletic. But uh, you just have this community of people who are going, we're we're not here to judge. And I I love that there's no mirrors on the wall in Iron Tribe, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's not about looking at yourself in the mirror and going, am I, am I that beautiful physique? That's like the bodybuilder. It's, it's like, no, we're, we're here because we're, we're bonding and rallying together around this, this idea of pursuing health and not just running away from shame. And we used to share a parking lot back in the day with your old office where right. the Iron Tribe there in Cool Springs uh, was. But now you guys have moved down the road to a brand new headquarters. So you've shifted more to a home gym, at least from what I'm watching on your Instagram. And I'm pretty sure I saw you squat, what, 335 for multiple sets. Uh, um, who's counting? Pretty impressive. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was impressed. I was like, man, that's not shabby weight. But I think you're on a squat program, aren't you? I'm doing the, uh, what I've been doing is the five by five, you know, it's just kind of a lot of compound movements. Yeah. And then I'm supplementing with iron tribe type stuff with some Olympic things and kettlebells. And I, I like variety, you know, I got, I got to, and I, I enjoy that about iron tribe. I mean, just, there's always something new and fresh. If you just get into a rut and you're doing the same lifts all the time, uh, it, it just gets monotonous and then you don't want to go cause you're, you're bored, you know, you're kind of not excited about coming in every day. So, um, you know, my routine these days, uh, I did build a garage gym. Some of that was just because I thought it'd be a lot of fun. And when COVID hit and everything shut down, I thought, well, we've got this garage. We'd been thinking about moving and buying a bigger house, but we thought, we don't need to do that. We could add a bonus room, but that's expensive. And we went, you know, our bodies that we're going to carry around the rest of our lives. They're way more important than the cars that we park in the garage. Let's just park the cars in the driveway. Let's insulate the garage and build it out and turn it into a room that we can actually use year round. And uh, we actually, I'm kind of a wimp, you know, I didn't, I'm not doing a pure garage gym uh, in the sense of it getting really cold and hot and still powering through. I I put the HVAC and the insulation in there. So I don't ever, now I don't have the excuse. I have to get out there every single day. (laughs) Well, I'm a fan. I have one and you know, on the days I can't 
make an iron trial class, man, it's nice to just hit it in the garage and uh, never have an excuse that way. It was money over shutdown. I mean, Kylie, I don't know how people made it without an outlet like that. Uh, but I just want to touch on one thing you say, because I, I mean, it is profound and it's what I teach uh, on this show. And that is the correlation with working out and power. Use the word energy. I use the word power. Showing up in power, you've done typically your hardest thing for the day. You get a win early. You get all the great benefits, blood flowing, confidence increasing. And I think so many people, and I was in the same boat, Daniel. I used to work out for purely aesthetics came from a bodybuilding background and you know it was all about how i looked and a very little correlation to how i felt and i've made that transition as well now at 44 it's much more important about what's my energy like how am i feeling how am i moving mm. and uh, just hearing you explain that it just really uh undergirds what i've been talking about on the show so thank you that was eloquent um all right but let's go to balance and let's talk about your marriage your kids uh what does that look like for you and how does again how does that equip you to show up at work and create big things in your life hmm. Well, I, I gotta tell you, I just, I feel so blessed. I've got an incredible wife and two daughters and uh, my wife and I were high school sweethearts. Uh, we, we literally grew up in the same town at the same church and have known each other since like third and fourth grade. (laughs) So, um, I don't know anything else. Um, I fortunately didn't have a lot of baggage and, uh, like a lot of people, they, they go through life and they have these relationships and those relationships are broken. And then eventually they find their soulmate and get married, but there's all this baggage. I'm just so grateful that I, my wife is really the only primary uh, relationship in that way that I've ever had. And um, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, the, the pros are uh, we got an incredible friendship and our relationship has been decades long now built on a, a foundation of a, an amazing friendship. Um, the cons are, been married? <laughs> uh, we've been married in 19 this year and it'll be 20. We're coming up on 20. Um, you know, when your wife knows everything about you, um, sometimes you you get locked in and you get enmeshed. I mean, when we dated in high school, uh, we, we were so close that, you know, we were leaning on each other all the time. But you can develop these these habits in marriage that are coming from a good place where uh, you care about each other so much. But then when the other person's not okay, you're not okay. And mm-hmm. I had, and we both had some codependent tendencies around, like if, you know, if we, if she was struggling and then all of a sudden, you know, I'd be struggling, I'd try to come in and rescue and try to help her feel better. And so much of that was us trying to fix ourselves instead of just depending on our creator and, and putting our source of hope ultimately in, you know, who God says we are. Um, and through, again, through coaching, through counseling, I mean, I, I've, I've had coaching professionally. Uh, I believe in coaching and, and therapy and, and counseling for marriage. I just think it's an incredible thing, even if you don't think your marriage is on the rocks. I mean, proactively investing in your marriage and getting tools to just communicate better and to align more around the things that you value in your marriage, even if you don't feel like you're in crisis. I used to kind of buy into that myth that, well, you got to you got to be really bad before you go see a counselor, almost like counseling was equivalent to the emergency room. Um, But if you think of it, go back to your body, you know, you don't wait till you're having a heart attack to, uh, to go to the emergency room. You don't wait for that to, you know, go way upstream and go, that's not how you define health. Uh, What about taking vitamins? What about, you know, supplementing? What about exercising daily? You know, there's no shame about hiring a trainer at the gym or going into iron tribe and yielding to the authority of a coach who knows what they're talking about. Yet with, with marriage and counseling, for some reason, there's this, stigma like to get help in that space is, you know, we must have done something really bad. So, um, we believe in that we do that stuff. And, um, I also think that putting ourselves around other really quality couples, um, who believe what we believe and who, um, don't let us just settle for status quo. Um, that, that's something that I, I feel like it's more my wife's skill. Um, she's always pushing for us to have these really quality social, um, engagements and friendships that we're going to go deep. We're not just going to, you know, talk about what we saw on Netflix. We're not just going to do the trivial stuff and, and we have fun. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, we, we really are interested in having people around us that are going to push us and, and compel us towards a better desired future. Uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones, the the late great motivator said that in five years from now, you will be a combination of the books that you read and the, the people that you're around, the five closest people that you're around. That's, that's the only difference between who you are today and who you're going to be in five years from now. And so I really think as couples, uh, as marriages, we have to put ourselves around other 
quality couples um, that that we can lock arms together and drive forward together and be there for each other when when the seasons are hard. And we've had some amazing people when we've been through hard seasons, sit with us and pray with us and cheer for us and and really love us when we didn't even deserve it. And so, um, again, I, I attribute so much of my success in my marriage to uh, the people that have been around us, um, not because I'm some kind of you know, superhero husband. Um, I've, I've still got a lot to learn and learning a lot, but uh, we're very intentional about family. Um, we're very intentional. Um, we have family core values. We have a weekly check-in with our family about those values and check in on the week and how it was going and then the upcoming week. And, you know, I think so much of this just comes down to in today's world, scheduling that time to be that mm-hmm. intentional, you know, mm-hmm. having it on the calendar um, because otherwise the the days just fly by and you look up and you go, oh my gosh, we're, we're living reactive to everything again. And we didn't ever pause and say, hey, let's, let's have a meeting. You go, well, that's really stuffy for your family. Well, <laughs> in your business, you have a staff meeting and you schedule it. Why is it so weird to have a, a, a similar level of intentionality with your family? And, and we schedule the things that we prioritize and we value. So that's a big piece of it. Well, recently I had the uh, Brian Miles on and they mentioned the uh, Lencioni book, Three Steps for a Frantic Family oh, or, yeah. or something like Great that. Resource. So yep. I ordered it while we were on the show. So I'm really looking to dive into that. And they were talking about the family core values. So share with us um, any habits, systems, routines you have specifically in this domain that keeps you plugged in. You, you talked about the core values, but, you know, date night or is there a morning breakfast or like, how do you stay aligned with your wife? And yeah. do you create one on one time with each kid? Because that seems to be a pretty common struggle. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I have not mastered this, but I definitely know that we thrive more when, uh, for example, date nights every Thursday night, we've got date night. It's on the calendar. The child care is arranged way in advance. And it's kind of one of those things like, we're going, no matter how, to, how busy things are at work, no matter how daunting the pile of stuff is, you know, Friday, the next day, it could be, it really, it is sometimes really tempting to go, oh, okay, tonight, let's just, let's not do date night. You catch up on your stuff. I'll catch up on my stuff. We'll try next week. And uh, we've really been really disciplined about that. And it always creates the space to to talk, to catch up on a relationship. Um, certainly it's not the only time that we talk, but, um, by having that as a weekly checkpoint, it's going, okay, at a minimum, we're going to make sure that we've got this time together every week and it's just us. And it's not with the kids, you know, it's, it's just me and Emily and it's super, super meaningful. Um, some of them are great and some of them are boring and some of them we get, you know, we've had some in the past where we, got in a fight on date night and the whole night was just arguing. <laughs> and so I, I don't think these are all these perfect, romantic, you know, idealistic things. It's just, it's again, so much of life and success in life goes back to our habits. And we're, we're only as successful as our habits over time, whether that's in business or our body or our marriage. And so, um, you know, uh, with the kids, uh, I, I try to make one-on-one time with them. Um, I got two and I daughters. I think we skipped over, I was going to say, I don't yeah, think we talked ahead. about actually, you know, how many kids you have and their ages and all that. I've got two girls, um, beautiful, incredible young ladies. One is 11 and one is nine. So Savannah, uh, my oldest, um, they, you know, here's the thing I've learned with, with having more than one kid, they experience love in very different ways. And of course, a lot of people know the the book, the five love languages. And mm-hmm. one of those is quality time. Um, they both really value quality time. Um, one of them really likes to get out of the house and go on adventures. One of them really likes to be at home and do crafts and art kind of things together. And so I think just learning how to parent your kids in a way that's unique to their temperament and personality and that intentionality around that is a really key piece of it. Um, I think it's it's kind of naive. I, I used to think there was a boilerplate approach to parenting and I've learned there's anything but that. Of course, you have a big family. You, you know this even better than I do. Um, but yeah, we, we make the time for daddy-daughter dates. Uh, we make the time once a week, I'm I'm with them one on one. Even if it's just going to the store together and running errands, I, I think our kids just want to be with us. Not every uh, outing has to be epic, but when we are in the car, I'm not zoned out or listening to a podcast. It's I'm I'm checking in and hey, how's your day? How's your heart? How are you feeling? What's going mm-hmm. on? 
anything mm-hmm. bugging you, anything you want to talk about. Um, and then I got this tip from our friend, Jeff Mask. Uh, he asks his kids on a pretty consistent basis, as your dad on a scale of one to five, how am I doing? Because if mm. you ask your kids, am I a good dad? I mean, where are they going to say, yeah, dad, you're a good dad. <laughs> uh, but when I tuck him in bed at night, often I'll say, hey, scale of one to five. I did this last night. Um, and, and Savannah said, well, you're a four. And I said, okay, awesome. Thank you. I'm glad I got, <laughs> I got some stuff going for me. What would make it a five? And you have to ask that follow-up question. What would make it a five? And she said, mm-hmm. well, if you took me camping, I'd really, and I'm like, oh, cool. She just gave me a little nugget, you know, and mm. she wasn't, you know, she wasn't thinking at bedtime, I need to tell dad that I want to go camping, but she just gave me a little insight into something that would matter to her. And, um, I asked him and grace the same thing last night. And she said, your daddy, you're a 4.999. <laughs> and then I said, <laughs> okay, thank you. What would make it a five? And she goes, dad, nobody's perfect. And she's, she's my silly goofball. And she kind of rolls her eyes that I'm even asking this question. But again, Whatever it is for you, I mean, you, you've got to figure out what kind of parent do I want to be and realize how quick life goes. And um, there's times where I lose perspective. There's times I get so caught up in the workday and I've got the silly, you're asking about habits. I'll just tell you some of my quirky stuff. But in my neighborhood, it's a newer neighborhood um, that's built on an old, old farm here in the South. And on this old, old farm, uh, there is a cemetery. And so there's a little part of our neighborhood close to the entrance where when you're coming into the neighborhood, you can pull off and go see this old family cemetery. Uh, the Germain family, I believe, is the last name. And it's a small cemetery. There's there's 10 to 12 headstones there. And occasionally, if work is just churning as I, you know, as I'm driving home and I'm thinking like, okay, I got to reset my perspective and I'm not ready to walk in the door because I have all the frothiness of the day is still just stewing in my emotions and my mind. And I'm feeling amped about something because the meeting I just came out of didn't go well. Sometimes I'll just pull off at that cemetery forest and, and get out of the car and, and walk and, and look at the headstone. And, uh, this guy, uh, Zachary Germain, I don't know him. I don't think anybody that's living today even knows who he is or what the story is. He was born in 1800. And I I just kind of pause as as cheesy as this may sound. And I think, what would Zach tell me? (laughs) You know, (laughs) what would this guy who's not here anymore, what would he tell me about how fast life goes? What what would he tell me when I walk in the door tonight that I, that I need to be on for my family and not be worried about all the work stuff. And, and there's just something about a ritual where you can just kind of create that space and go, don't just come crashing into the house in work mode. Don't come in with your battle armor on and, and continue to just grind through and stay on the emails and be half tuned in during dinner. And, you know, so I, I really thrive on having these physical spaces and environmental prompts that are things that I lean into as habits that help me kind of reset my state. Um, and just that one little thing sometimes is, is a really big deal in me kind of walking into what's my most important job at the end of the day, which is being a dad and being a husband. Man, I'm convicted just hearing you because I know how easy it is just to carry all that weight of the day right into the living room, right into the kitchen as you walk in and think, oh, I just need some me time. Don't come at me. It's been a bad day. But man, to mm-hmm. decompress before you walk in and just own that role as husband and father. Whew, man preach. Um, okay. Let's transition to the most important domain. And you've talked about it throughout and that's being, that's a relationship with Christ. How does that undergird? How is that the foundation of all these domains of your life and, and just building things across body being balance? Yeah, it really is the foundation. And, uh, you know, before we jumped on today, you and I were both talking about various battles that we've been through this year personally, where we've just felt like uh, I'm not in control. I'm not in control as much as, you know, we want to control. It's very Western. It's very American. And it's very, um, especially in business, we're trying to take all the variables that are out of control and control them. We're trying to impose our will on these things so, so that we can grow our, our ventures and, and succeed in business. And, and the paradox here is that if you really understand your relationship between who you are and, and your creator. And, and I don't know what everybody listening to this believes and what their faith is. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what you should believe, but I am going to tell you that whatever you believe, you better be living consistent with what you believe. And so I believe there's a God and, and I believe that I'm not him. <laughs> I believe <laughs> that God is in control and that God loves us and loves all of us unconditionally. And, um, 
my little um, word or mental picture that helps me with this, and, and I've got these morning affirmations that I say, and I've got this kind of morning routine dialed in that I go through. We can talk about it if you want. But one of the affirmations is, I'm just a guy in a raft in a river. And for a performer, for somebody who likes to control things, for an achiever who's very goal oriented, the reminder to me when I think about I'm a guy in a raft in a river is I have a responsibility to not pop the raft. I have a responsibility to steer the raft. But God has put me in this river and he has set the course for the river. And so if I fight the river, if I try to create a new course where the river's not actually going, or I'm trying to paddle upstream all the time against what God's doing in my life, I'm exhausted and it's a losing battle. I'm not making any traction. And, and I have to remember that the power in my life, the source of the energy of what is taking that raft ultimately out into its final destination in a lake somewhere is it's the energy of the river. And it has nothing to do to do with the guy in the raft, and 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 I cooperate with the river, and I've got an oar, and I've got a responsibility, um, but I'm just a guy in a, in a raft in a river, and it helps me just surrender to this thing's bigger than me. Every day is sacred. Every relationship I have is an opportunity to empower somebody and speak life into somebody. Don't miss the people that are around you every day, Daniel, because you're so busy building your empire, trying to control things that you can't really control to begin with, because it's not your empire, it's God's. And you play a role here. And as a leader, being fully integrated with business, body, balance, being all these things coming together, you're amazing, but you're not amazing because you made yourself amazing. You're amazing because God put gifts in you and you have a responsibility to share those gifts with others. And what a word in the middle of COVID and, you know, everything we thought we had control over was just shaken and taken away from us from routines to our health. To, I mean, just it's been a crazy year, like we mm. talked about. Yeah. And we just surrender is ultimately where you have to get to and understand that. Yeah, I didn't start the river and uh, I'm not coursing the river. I'm just along for the ride. So, man, really appreciate that. Um, I'd love to talk about just kind of your perfect morning when you're on your A game, and I know not every day is the perfect day, but how do you get it all in and kind of what does that routine look like? Do you start in the morning with the workout? Do you start with a devotion? Yeah. Yeah. I've experimented with this a lot. Um, I, around the time of my first daughter was born and um, kind of the health issues that I was having and, and being out of shape and overweight and everything. But one thing that coincided uh, with that season is um, out of nowhere, a, a very happy, uh, joyful Daniel Tardy, all of a sudden, who never had a care in the world, was dealing with anxiety and depression and panic attacks. Hmm. And I didn't know what they were. I, I thought I had some kind of sickness. My body was doing all of this crazy stuff. And the way that stress was manifesting in my body was really weird um, with, with all of these neurological issues of, you know, muscles twitching and couldn't sleep at night and just constantly on edge. And no matter what I tried to kind of shake it or just kind of think positive thoughts, it wasn't working. And, and I realized in that season over a couple of years and, and working with um, some people that had been through similar things that, well, our, our bodies keep the score. You know, our, our bodies are, uh, they're not just like this, here's, here's your body and here's your mind and your stress over here. They're very integrated. There's a strong connection there. And one of the lessons that I learned in that season is how much sleep is important, how much rest and recovery and quality sleep really has a bearing on how I'm going to do the next day. And, and I think because of what I went through, for some reason, I'm just even a little bit more sensitive to sleep. So I know there's people out there that are like, Hey, sleep when you're dead, you know, and if you really want to win in life, you'll just figure out how to sacrifice sleep and the world's run by tired people. And <laughs> I, I don't know if that's true or not, but for me, I don't buy it. And if it is, if, if the world's run by tired people, I don't want to run the world because mm -hmm. I, I've got to have quality sleep. So my morning routine starts with whatever seven to eight hours of really quality sleep uh, is what dictates what time I'm going to wake up. Now, it's, it's never past 6 a.m., but um, if I, you know, if I want to wake up at 5 a.m., but I got to bed a little bit late and it's going to cut into that seven to eight hours of sleep, um, I'm going to push back to six. You know, I'm, I'm not going to just grind through because I've tried doing that before where every day, no matter what, you know, you're like Jocko and you're going to get up at 4.30 a.m. every day and send a picture of your, your watch to everybody on Instagram so they know. I, I love Jocko and I think it's great, um, but I also just know it's not for me because I, I got to get quality sleep and that's where it starts. But, um, I lately have been actually working out after work. Um, 
I like working out in the morning, but I've, I've been experimenting lately with um, having my morning routine being more about getting my kind of my mind and body and spiritual life uh, ready for the day. Um, I've got an app that I really love. It's called Routinery, and it actually lets you plug in all of the tasks that you want to do in the morning, but it's more than just a to-do list. It actually gives you an amount of time to spend on each of those tasks, and I've got a lot of stuff like, you know, get up, um, use the restroom, get on my headphones, play a specific video on YouTube that's a motivational YouTube, um, say yes to a little covenant about no, what I call tech candy, which means no Instagram, no email, no dopamine for my technology until at least 7.30 a.m. because I'm going to be totally focused and I, you know, check that box and, um, I chug water, 24 ounces of water right out of the gate to get it in my body. Um, I take a greens drink, um, a whole regimen of vitamins and apple cider vinegar and uh, magnesium and potassium and just, you know, stuff that I feel like is designed to, at least for my body, it responds really well to kind of helping me have a well-rounded um, nutritional launch pad into the day. Uh, and then um, I take some time where I just have some quiet time and have a little bit of meditation and prayer and read scripture and pray. And, and usually I ask God to put somebody on my mind that I can pray for and send them an encouraging message. Um, I do some stretching and, and kind of a, I've got a Theragun, do a little massage stuff on my neck, I shave, and then I jump in a cold shower. And I love the cold shower. It's only three minutes long, but I jump in there because it just totally puts me in peak state. And it's kind of one of those things, I, 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 it no matter how many times I've done it, I still stand at the edge of the shower and I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I can so relate to that. But it's one of those things thing. where you go, the rest of the day, you've, you've kind of done the hardest thing for the day. Like if you can throw yourself in the cold shower, uh, it's all downhill from there. And uh, man, it wakes you up. It gets you going. Now, I can't jump straight out of bed and do the cold shower. I have to do all that stuff before and kind of get ready for it. Um, but then, you know, make some coffee. And then one thing that I really love doing is um, in my garage gym, I've got a little trampoline and I just bounce for five minutes. And that's when I say my affirmations. And uh, it's it's great for your adrenal system. It's great for your, you know, just all your, your hormone regulatory stuff. And it's really, it's fun. It's like being a kid. And it's just, it helps you laugh a little bit and uh, create some, some lightness and levity in, in your morning. And then right after that, um, I sit down and there's an app called Flow State. Um, that's a writing app. And this is, this habit is kind of a combination of um, the artist way talks about doing morning pages where you just kind of write stream of consciousness and get it all out. It's kind of a journaling exercise. But what flow state does is you can set a timer and I set my timer for 10 minutes and you have to write unbroken. So you're typing. And, and if you pause for more than two seconds, it erases everything you've written to that point. And you have to start over. And so it forces oh you to write for 10 minutes unbroken. And it, it keeps you from from editing or being judgmental or being critical or even having the stuff you say makes sense all the time. It just forces you to, to get it all out. And there's something about the creative process that just getting the words flowing. And, you know, this is the, this is the metaphor for anything in life. Like the key is just getting started and not just sitting there staring at a page, but actually getting things into motion and then improving quality and that kind of thing as, as you go along. So I found that to be really helpful. It gets my stress out. It gets my thoughts out. Sometimes I'm writing prayers. Sometimes I'm venting about something that happened the day before that I need to kind of get out of my head. Uh, sometimes I'm making to-do list and notes. Sometimes it's prayers for my family. Sometimes it's just whatever's in my brain and, and just kind of noticing what's going on in there. But it, it's a really helpful uh, therapy. So I go from that and then I get dressed and then I make sure I've got all that kind of ready in time to have kind of some breakfast time with my family and just be fully present. And um, I throw the the phone in my backpack and have it sitting by the back door so that I've got 10, 15 minutes just totally uninterrupted where our family's going to be together. I try to edify them. I try to kiss my girls on the forehead and tell them how much I love them every day uh, before I walk out the door and, and whisper something in their ear about them uniquely that I think is special just so that they're set up for, you know, kind of going into their day, knowing that their dad sees them and notices them. And, um, I'll tell you all this stuff at this point, um, what we're talking about is version 112.0. Um, you may go, wow, this guy's doing all this stuff. I, I didn't start out like with all this amazing you know, morning routine dialed in. I've got one now because there was days that I just rolled out of bed and I jumped into my email and I went to work and then I came home and my kids are crying and they're going, you never make time for us, daddy. You know, Mm -hmm. so again, a response to that pain of like, oh my gosh, that's not who I want to be as a dad. What would have to be true for me to get my habits and routines dialed in? And so, so many of these little things I've added along the way were just a, um, 
a response to something not being ideal or not being the kind of life or, or you know, kind of the, the husband or father that I wanted to be. Um, and it's amazing how all these little habits done daily, they, they stack up and they can they just totally transform who you are and, and the kind of person you are after months of doing it. Well, that's the best answer to morning routine that I've ever gotten. You touched on just about everything we've talked about and that I personally do. Um, have you read Aubrey Marcus's book, Own the Day? I've heard people reference it. I don't think I've actually read it. Because so much of what you just laid out is in that book and very well written. So you'd enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, that's amazing. Because well, cool. well, I encourage you- people to check out the app routinery. Uh, it really helps because, I mean, it, it's kind of like it's all on a checklist. It takes all the thinking out of it. It's got the timers in there and you can kind of, you know, change the amount of time each day based on what you're actually doing. You start out with a guess and then you kind of tweak it and dial it in. And you realize, like, if I look at mine right now, I can see my morning routine is one hour and seven minutes long if I do it all based on what it's timed out to be. So it gets you to actually assess and go, if I want to do all these little things, some of them individually seem petty, like, you know, just brush your teeth. But if you got two minutes scheduled for brushing your teeth and then you add up all the other two minute things, you realize I got to, I got to plan for this. I got to have an hour and seven minutes to make sure that I get all this stuff in if I really value it. And so it's, it's a great tool. I've really enjoyed it. Well, I wrote it down because I have my perfect day taped right by my office chair where I read my Bible and do all my stuff. And I've I've listed out and constantly I'm looking over to where am I versus where I've laid out to be. But this obviously would take it to a whole nother level. So I am going to definitely check that out. Um, all right, Daniel, you've been phenomenal, a wealth of information. My final question is for the listener who wants to build something of value with their life and not lose their body, their marriage, their kids, or their faith in the process. What's your one big takeaway for them leaving the show? Well, I, you know, people talk about priorities and I think that's a bit of a cliche answer, although it, it's true. But I, I think you have to take that idea of priorities and really run it to ground and go, okay, what does it mean to have these priorities? And everything we've been talking about, having your ideal day and your ideal week and month, uh, so much of building something that matters without losing what you really care about has to do with where you spend your time. And we teach in personal finance that winning with money all starts with having a budget and telling every dollar where to go instead of wondering where it went. Yet I'm amazed how many leaders, high profile, high performing leaders have no clue where their time is going. And I think we deceive ourselves. We, we pretend that we've got it all balanced. Uh, we, we think that we're spending more time with our families than we actually are. We think we're spending more time, quiet time in the morning than we actually are. And the machine that we create when we're starting to build this thing we really care about, whether it's a business or leading a department or whatever your thing is, it does not have a soul. It does not have a heart. It does not have uh, the ability to say, hey, You've been giving me a lot of attention lately. How's your wife doing? And so if we don't have our calendars and and our time and every minute and hour planned out that's going to block time for our families, block time for our our friendships and social experiences, the the most meaningful things that we're going to have on our deathbed, our friends and our family, if we don't block time to invest in those things, the business is always going to take over. There's always more demands. And the, the myth is that someday we'll catch up. And, and you know, and your listeners know, we're never caught up. Mm. We're never caught up. There's always a longer to-do list at the business than we will ever have the capacity to deliver on, even if we're working every waking hour. And so we have to choose. And I, and I love what Andy Stanley uh, talks about this. He's, he's got a whole series around this idea of choosing to cheat. And the premise is you're either going to cheat work or you're going to cheat your family you better choose on purpose which one you're going to cheat. And the good news is that you can cheat work a little bit with your time and it doesn't actually sacrifice the mission. In Mm. fact, it fuels the mission because when you cheat work a little bit short term and you actually go home at 4.30 or 5 to see your family, it fuels you up and you make time for yourself. You make time for recreation. You can come back and you're that much more of a quality leader. And so if you're measuring your effort and your work in how much time am I at the office, you're using the wrong measure. What you got to measure is what kind of quality leader are you and how do you level up the quality of your leadership? And part of doing that is being integrated and being balanced across these four areas that you guys talk about. That is how you scale and grow a peak performing business. That's the kind of leader your team wants to follow. And that's the kind of leader that champions will be attracted to a business like that. And their ideas and their ingenuity will 100 times offset that one extra hour that you 
burn the midnight oil and you chose mm. instead, I'm going to go home and be with my family. So, you know, you got to create something that has a soul and you got to create something that the culture um, really embraces. We don't just say we do work-life balance, but we actually run people out of here and say, you really have to go be with your family right now. We believe in that. Uh, mm. But it comes, it comes down to prioritizing it, not just in your mind, but actually doing that with your calendar and making sure your time lines up with what you say you value. Mm, man, so good. You've been a phenomenal guest. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. I know everyone's going to benefit from all that you had to share. If someone wanted to follow you or follow, you know, anything at Ramsey Solutions, like what, what's the best way? I know you've been pretty active on Instagram lately. I've enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, c- come hang out with me on Instagram at Daniel Tardy. Uh, I post about leadership and small business and occasionally garage gym things. <laughs> and uh, I'm just yeah, another I, having fun with uh, this this journey called life. But I would love to hang out with you there. Uh, check us out at Entree Leadership on Instagram. Uh, also would love for your audience, once they're done listening to your podcast, of course, uh, jump over and check out the Entree Leadership podcast. Uh, we drop weekly on uh, every Monday uh, where we're interviewing incredible leaders, thought leaders, uh, business owners, success stories out there that are designed to help business owners feel inspired and also be equipped with practical information on how they can win. So you can get all kinds of information at entreeleadership.com. We do events, conferences, coaching. And um, again, we're, we're here to help business owners uh, um, achieve what they want to achieve. And I, I just got to say, thanks for having me on today, man. And, and you're one of those business owners that uh, we've watched your story and, and have been cheering for you guys along the way and uh, saw when you guys were fairly small and today the, the growth that you've had and um, just branching out all over the place in the podcast. Uh, we're just we're just such fans of uh, Tribecast and Forrest Walden and Iron Tribe and, and what you guys stand for, not just the great brand and, and the incredible service you guys provide, but who you guys are as people. I've met so many of your staff and um, um, you should, and I know you are, but you should be a very proud leader because one of the signs and, and hallmarks of a great leader is um, their people all the way down in the trenches who are interacting with customers are quality people, whether that leader's looking over their shoulder or not. And I, and I can attest that every one of uh, your team members I've interacted with um, uh, would make you proud. And, and uh, I can tell you've done that very intentionally and designed a culture um, that, that builds people and cares about their team in a really cool way. So kudos, man. We're, we're inspired by what you're doing. Thank you so much. I mean, that's some serious affirmation coming from someone I highly respect. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. It was an amazing show. And uh, again, just look forward to catching up with you soon and hitting the workout in the garage, Jim. I can't wait. (laughs) All right, guys, this is Tribecast. We will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. The feedback from Tribecast over the last two seasons has been phenomenal, and one of the most common questions has centered around my willingness or ability to deliver coaching to others. And as I've continued my personal journey on the having it all lifestyle across body, being balance, and business, I've been inspired to create a program that I couldn't find in the marketplace. It's called EX3, and it's for accomplished, kingdom-minded entrepreneurs that know they need a band of brothers to play this game with at the highest level. If that's you and you want to know more about what I'm up to, then head on over to ex3impact.com now.